I watched when the World Trade Center came tumbling down. And I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands and thousands of people were cheering as that building was coming down. Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Hello gamers, it's Agab. All gamers are bastards, you know what it is. I'm your host Kay, and I am joined, as always, by my nigh-invincible co-host, Kyle. How are you, you doing? How are you doing, Kay? How has how has your weeks been? It's, it seems like you were caught off guard a bit by that. No. Right, you gotta stay on your toes, or else I, I will strike you down. You Whoa. know that. You know how it is on the pod. <laughs> I mean, usually I have some long, meandering, ridiculous thing that just kind of comes to mind in my very sort of free associative, hazy thought processes um, That's appropriate right. for a podcast about video games, as always, um, you know, a, a, a Hegelian podcast about video games, first and foremost. And That's so, right. And we brought on a primary Hegelian scholar mm. and Celeste's uh, thir- 30th place, I believe, <laughs> speedrun holder. Not um, sure. My understanding is she will defend that uh, to the death with incredible amounts of violence. Uh, <laughs> that's my understanding. Uh, we're joined by Bryn of uh, BP Bledis, Gen Loss, Left Trigger, probably other things. You have so many projects. How you doing, Bryn? That's right. I'm good. Yeah, I am a Hegel. I I I I, I have actually read Hegel, so that's nice. I'm also. But I Hell can't yes. prove that in the same way I can't really prove that I'm the 30th fastest speedrunner at Celeste uh, because it's not on speedruns.com because I didn't take a video of it. But I did oh, do it. <laughs> okay. You, you know what? We're going to take your word for it. We don't, we don't gatekeep here when it comes to speedruns. I, right? I can show you a screenshot, but uh, that's, that's all I can do. We don't gatekeep. We uh, don't fact check. We don't <laughs> ascertain and those further. Are all, yeah, fact checking is classes yes it's, <laughs> that's right i refuse to fact check this i will never fact mm-hmm. check it do not show me a screenshot i've accepted <laughs> <laughs> suffice it to say I, I i've played the game a lot and I'm, I'm fairly good at it hell yeah um i played it uh once and because it's a platformer i'm a bit dog shit at it luckily it's very forgiving mm. um in that sense but uh, we're going to talk about that a bit later because, folks, it's the biggest week in consumerdom. Uh, E3's just happened. Yes. What uh, the, the the event that is designed to turn you into a bug man immediately <laughs> upon viewing it. Um, I still haven't figured out what bug man means. I've heard I'm getting old now. <laughs> People keep saying it. Uh, Bugman is a phrase that I think just comes from 4chan or something, but it's basically just good. like, it's just like a person who it's sort of like an, a meaner offshoot of like soy boy. It's like right. a person, <laughs> a person who like is obsessed with consuming stuff like it, like their identity is based off of what kind of products they buy. And it can be anybody from, you know, marvel fanboys to um 
you know, fashion women who like only care about, you know, Mark Jacobs and shit. Um, right. Just sort of uh, a, a, a pejorative for consumer consumerism. Type sort of, of thing. A, a movie Bob type of character. Yes, sure. As a as as a confirmed uh, um, Marvel fashion boy, um, <laughs> I, I can I can preach to the intersection of these particular discourses in this sort of archetype, the, this wonderful archetype that has been born from the salon of Forchan. Um, mm-hmm. I want to I'm curious of what everyone thought the most uh, um, sort of you know what the biggest sort of a big jar full of acid dump on straight on the brain um, that you saw (laughs) from E3 this time I I plugged earlier probably the most absurd thing besides all of Far Cry 6 (laughs) that I saw which was Evidence of strange, like eldritch monsters, including what looked like a dragon in the new uh, season four of Agab favorite Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Um, we love it. Yeah, we really, we really, <laughs> big we, fans. Re- we really, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, <laughs> such big fans that we said that we would, uh, it's banned in our ideal society, Call of Duty. But, uh, uh- I think Absolutely. the last Call of Duty is the only game I've ever called evil in my life. Yeah, definitively. It's <laughs> the fucking criminal piece of media. Um, I, <laughs> you know what? Can we dwell on the new Far Cry for a second, though? Because it's... I feel like it. the whole franchise has, is becoming kind of flanderized. Like, after 3, where everyone loved Voss... Uh, because everyone was a teenager when three came out, and he just did edgy monologues. Is that Every, that, everyone was a teenager. Is that that twi- <laughs> everyone? <laughs> is that that Every, twitch, all twitch? Is that that Twitch streamer guy, Voss? The oh. guy everyone gets <laughs> mad at on Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Voss, Voss from Far Cry Three is a is a very controversial Twitch streamer. Wait, you guys were teenagers in 2012? No, oh, <laughs> ha- actually, not. hang on. No, hang on, let me do some math. What was that, nine <laughs> years ago? It was, yeah. <laughs> I was just barely, ooh, no good. I didn't, I thought that was longer ago than 2012. Far Cry uh, 3 was 12, 2012. All right, well, damn. You just felt like a teenager. <laughs> Because you were so excited about Far Cry, <laughs> yeah, so excited about. I, I must have been as stupid as one because I liked Far Cry Three at the at that point. But seeing it, sort of, I guess, seeing the outcome of the popularity of that character in that game, like in the trailer, uh, you know, fucking Gus from Breaking Bad comes onto this boat. Um, oh, is that where when he comes fleeing. on? Yeah, he. I've he never com- played any of these games. All right. Well, in in the trailer for the new Far Cry, Gus from Breaking Bad walks onto this boat and he just starts like doing a monologue totally unprompted. Awesome. It's just so, so cool. it's it's so it's so epic. Yeah. Uh-huh. What a, There's like what a, a pet cool alle- guy. Isn't there like a pet gator? I saw that in one of Yeah, there's a pet gator. It's all very like whoa, you know, how Far Cry games try to be where they want you to just be like Bill and Ted the whole time you're playing it. 
just like, whoa, that's so cool. It's, it's fucking truly radical, bro. Th- those games are just kind of like if someone made a video game out of Edward Said's nightmares, it's just like <laughs> kind of a mixture of absurd, over-the-top action, FPS bullshit. Basically Call of Duty, but but colonialism in its own special way, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Wait, you think that you think that Call of Duty isn't a colonialist video game? <laughs> no, no. That's all it is. <laughs> in its in its in its own sort of special, like no colonialist rather than imperialist, I guess I should say. I see. Okay. Yeah, I feel like you don't directly do a lot of colonizing. Maybe I haven't played all the Call of Duties, but in Far Far Cry, it's just like no, I'm. This is my. Pl- I'm moving here. This is mine now. Yeah, this is my the- island. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of do become like it's. Re- it's really. It's really fucked up. Yeah. It's, so no, it's, are you excited? Are you wait? Are you really excited about Far Cry? Or are you? Are you yeah, wanna, as you as a it- sort of absurd, disgusting piece of art that you pirate <laughs> and talk about on sure. your podcast, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're excited about it for the content, which unfortunately <laughs> okay. is what our brains have been reduced to. <laughs> yeah, sure. But is it fun? Because I played, uh, I played like 30 minutes of the Blood Dragon one, and I thought that sucked. I was did not like that game. <laughs> I don't think I've played Blood Dragon. Um, that's the it, one I mean, that's like the the 80s one right yeah Yeah. it's ubisoft games aren't usually fun per se Mm. (laughs) uh, okay there was some (laughs) yeah it's uh, they're bad uh to be honest with you i don't did you did you see anything at e3 that that looked like it actually might have been any good oh yeah Uh, oh yeah i mean i I, i'm real excited for metroid dread oh fuck yeah Um, fuck yeah i am dying to play that that is one of those games that was if you don't know uh was uh revealed to be in production right after metroid fusion back in 2002 um super metroid is one of my favorite games uh and for later one of the first games i attempted speed running hell yeah um and uh that game is super fun and then fusion was the next one and then they were like we're gonna make a five and it'll be called Metroid Dread. And there was like leaked footage of it. And then it was like confirmed to be canceled in like 2009. So it's been almost <laughs> 20 <laughs> years. And so the idea that they're like, actually, we're just going to do it now. And it's almost out. It'll be out this year. That's very, that was honestly a very exciting uh, announcement for me. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Hell yeah. Thank you for coming in here with like an actual like sincere answer. <laughs> uh, that's a look, I'm very I think people are surprised at how sincere I am about everything, but I'm <laughs> I uh I'm very sincere about my beliefs and my likes. But I also um this wasn't E3, but I'm very excited about Elden Ring. I don't know if you guys are from oh, software yeah. guys. But. Oh I'm I'm a I'm a nasty piggy for from software. I <laughs> yeah, every, that's everything what I was saying, they make. Like, I was saying on Twitter during that in E3, I was like, that nah, this is giving me some very Bugman feels because I am like, <laughs> really, I want that amiibo. <laughs> I oh don't give God. a shit. I, <laughs> I would like to have the whatever, just I, I would like it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about those two games, especially. And, um, and uh, Breath of the Wild, too, but that won't be till next year. Oh, yeah, we actually got a date on that, didn't we? 
now right. it's just 2022 so it's like hopefully yeah. next year but we the, really the, don't the, know. Ca- the cable guy of announce of exciting announcements uh sometimes between the hour of 8 a.m and 5 p.m uh, <laughs> but it's just the entire year that's really i'm i also think uh elden look elden ring looks really dope and is gonna Ugh, i'm so excited hit, it's gonna hit a, this yeah. it looks like it's gonna hit this spot between like the the way that an action rpg can kind of strike this balance between really beautiful kind of rich environment building and also just like you can kind of like whip the shit out of stuff and that's what the the sort of soulsborne games have really excelled at yeah. uh and it doesn't look like it's going to be a huge deviation just on the bits of gameplay we've seen uh, obviously it's going to be designed a little differently i guess because it's open world but it you know it looks like it plays like dark souls 3 which fucking works for me fine yeah i mean i just got into them honestly i started Mm. playing bloodborne during the pandemic um and then i played all the way through dark souls one um and beat it and now i'm on new game plus like two months ago (laughs) like very recently Um, hell yeah that's cool yeah. So I'm a new convert to from games. Um, I'm playing Bloodborne on left trigger. Um, so I kind of have to. I'm I, I'm thinking maybe I won't do that because I keep wanting to play it uh, not on the stream. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, so I'm kind of inundated with it right now. I'm also playing through Sekiro in my in uh, in my spare time. Um, so yeah, I love from games and Elden Ring looks like. All the best parts of Breath of the Wild mixed with all the best parts of Dark Souls. So I'm really, really excited. Hell yeah. How are you finding Sekiro, by the way? Because it's a little different from the other ones. So it's funny because I uh, also during the pandemic, I played through Ghost of Tsushima. My brother bought it for me for Christmas. Oh, nice. Um, I beat that like two uh, days ago. Love it. And I loved it. I mean, I do get that people have like some criticisms about its uh, repetition um where it's sort of just like go to the village sneak around Mm. kill them in this order and then like you know yeah there's either a fox or it's a you know a little bamboo thing or whatever um but i think the loop is really fun and i was having a great time and feeling overpowered and and i think the (laughs) uh the sword fighting is one of the more fun sword fighting systems I've played in a game. And, Mm. uh, I love one of the things I love about dark souls and pretty much any game that's sort of in the souls, like kind of category is parrying. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. I'm a big parrying fan. I'm great at it. And like, I'll, I, I haven't really made a build around dark souls that isn't based around parrying. Um, and so uh, that's why I love Bloodborne, because which I really hate that they tied it to an item, but that's yeah. a different episode. But uh, <laughs> uh, but Sekiro is fucking all parrying, and you must know how, and you must be good at it, or else you will fucking die, because it's yeah. really hard. So it's basically like everything I liked about Ghost of Tsushima mixed with the really hard shit I like about every other From game. So I'm having a great time. Hell yeah. I am... Um... Yeah, I will say, like, maybe it can get a little repetitive, Ghost of Tsushima, but, like, you get to pet the fox after, you know? You get to pet the fox, and that's what you're really here for. That's what I'm really here for. I got, the, <laughs> I got that stupid monkey brain. I want to pet the fox. I want to get my treats when I find He's the, so uh, you know, cute. places. Hell yeah. I want, I want to touch the cute thing in the video game. I want uh, to yeah. touch it. 
<laughs> Listen, you can't. It's really hard to pet foxes in real life. They don't take kindly to it. They don't uh, like it. No. <laughs> they, they hate that shit. <laughs> this country is yeah. meant to have tons of them. I think I've seen like one or two foxes in, uh, how long have I been here? Eight years, I think, um, in the UK. Uh, and it's... No, it's, it's bullshit. We need more foxes. We need to start importing like them from somewhere. I don't think I've ever seen a fox in my life, in real life. Um, so it sounds like you've got more foxes than I do. Okay, I've got more foxes. But I'm, uh, Kyle, what's your fox count, bro? Well, uh, yeah, man, what's your, man, I, have not, <laughs> I have not looked at the charts today. I'm fox so belt. sorry. I forgot to author my, fo- my fox memos. Uh, mm. And to update the Letting spreadsheet. Us down again, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> I, I haven't got a good read on the frequencies of the foxes in my area. Mm. I did. Have, of course, I come from the kind of family to where there was someone who had a pet fox at one point. It's just this thing that's mean as shit and ruins Wait, really? fucking furniture. Yeah. <laughs> that wow, it's, cute. It's like it's uh, in some ways, uh, probably not in others. <laughs> But you know, I hear they're every- not great pets. <laughs> no, I don't think that that's the thing that's supposed to. Ha- I think your pet fox is supposed <laughs> to be the other version of that, which is there's a a, a thing you feed to add to varying yeah, degrees yeah, yeah. of frequency that lives around you. Again, when you have a better yeah. read mm-hmm. on the number of foxes with the you know, when you're doing your doing your fox spreadsheets, like I haven't been, I apologize. But uh, well, it's important because we are sponsored by Fox. You know, yeah. <laughs> the thing that I wrote down that I was oddly the most excited—not oddly, but I was surprised at how excited I was about a Metal Slug Tactics. Uh, oh, fun! Fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Metal Slug series, and it looks like it's kind of going to a uh, sort of the the Super Nintendo era uh, of tactics-based RPG games, which you know, and then you know, cool anime cutscenes, and yeah i thought i was looking forward to that yeah i remember seeing it and thinking i would watch this like if it was an anime like it was sick <laughs> yeah i used to love metal gear arc on the arcades when i was a kid so sorry sorry that's the metal slug arcade game there was no metal gear arcade game. Oh, okay <laughs> I, I was gonna say i like the metal slug arcade game. Were. <laughs> that would be cool it seems like like a fighter or like a you know like Tekken or something. Well, like maybe a Metal Gear as, Tekken. Maybe he's play as Sniper Wolf, and you the have box. it's like a time crisis type shit. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Hell that's yeah. actually pretty sweet. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I could be down for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a few other uh cool sort of smaller games. Uh, there was a an indie game called Death Trash that looked really oh, yeah. exciting. Yeah, oh yeah, the Devolver just, shit that. They had that side-scrolly samurai game that looked like really awesome. Yeah, Devolver has been absolutely fucking smashing it the past few years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, they, I've been crying and, and whining about there not being like double A studios anymore, but I, I would say they are one. That's kind of oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, and there's a few others I can't remember. They're definitely but, rocking that shit. Yeah, no, it's good. It's that's there's a there's there was and is a huge um sort of gap in video games for for sort of like mid-budget mm-hmm. stuff like what they do so that's really cool yeah that game was called the game the, the game i'm thinking of was called trek to yomi it was like a sort of mixture between like a samurai game and limbo um 
But then there was also, yeah, they had yeah. that fucking crazy uh, inscription game, which was like a card game that was also escape room, like a point and click adventure style puzzle game. And that looks shit. That looked great. I'm oh, excited. Yeah. 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 For basically I, I like everything when, they announced. Yeah. I, I like when I see a game and I just, I'm confused by it immediately. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what <laughs> is what this? <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. It's cool. Um, one other big aspect of E3 for me, uh, like many people, has always been the cringe. And I have to say that the movie. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> that my favorite thing that ever happened. I don't remember the year. Maybe it was 2018. Whatever, whatever year um, there was like um, there was a mass shooting in Orlando. Um, I remember oh, the Pulse yeah, nightclub shooting. Yeah, I, I, f- I forget which year. Um, maybe 2017. But that year, the it happened a little bit before E3 and the Ubisoft showcase. I remember because the Ubisoft used to have Aisha Tyler, um, and she came on after I think like they opened with like a Just Dance or or that type of game uh, sort of sequence, and they had all the mascots and stuff doing like you know really upbeat dances to upbeat music, and then she walks out with all the mascots still on the stage. And is like, uh, can we have a minute of silence or something like that for the victims oh, of the no. Orlando shooting? It was crazy. <laughs> it was the most Woo-hoo. inappropriate thing I'd ever seen. And for me, that that was the peak of E3 and perhaps of of, of my life. That was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm about I, before when Pulse happened in 2016. We're about uh, we're about 10, 15 minutes away from there. Four, 49 is the. Uh, if 49 people died and yeah. well it reminded me it reminded me of something that i've talked i God, i know i've talked about it i must have talked about it on this podcast but uh i've talked about it on others as well which is the uh um thanksgiving halftime halftime show that creed performed on the uh thanksgiving after 9-11 <laughs> which is the most <laughs> um it's not that it, 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 this one is it, it was, it, it's like this is like if that was trying like it was so earnest but so like really they just kind of like th- seem to have thrown a whole bunch of there's people like they're aerialists like shirtless men like flying toward each other in the air and then creator singing with eyes wide open while the dallas cowboy cheerleaders do a dance and then it's intercut with footage from uh (laughs) yeah with it's intercut with people with footage of cleaning the wreckage and that sort of a thing and it was all sponsored by the salvation army uh that's fucking awesome it's it's one of the great it's the one of the most interesting <laughs> pieces of culture that exists like it, i i'm a i i watched it on tv because we watched the thanksgiving game every year and uh i've never been able to like rose bowl um no it was the the nfl uh yeah is the the dallas cowboys play on thanksgiving every year they kind of just have, I think, adapted the schedule to that to it that way, and they always put on like right. a special Thanksgiving halftime show. And yeah, I thought it was, was maybe a little bit tasteless how they had the cheerleaders form like a human tower, and then the quarterback like <laughs> fucking <laughs> leapt through it. 
<laughs> just threw a <laughs> tight spiral right into their chest. <laughs> and then went... Just, yeah. just annihilating oh. several of the cheerleaders instantly. It was yeah. horrible, and the, horrible day. And then Bush and Cheney were just running around and <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's football, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really that's know the football. rules, but I think Bush Wait. and Cheney have to be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, they are there. Uh, and it really gives uh, sort of weight to the theory that um, through the music of Creed, we can really determine that whether or not uh, Bush and Cheney really did 9 11 because it's really in there. You play it backwards, <laughs> like like yeah. satanic heavy metal. Scott Set was my gateway drug to uh, being a truther. Oh wow, he's from they're from Florida <laughs> as a as a as a doc, well documented Florida man. Um, I'm drawn mm-hmm. to them in a primordial sense. I, <laughs> now, me, I, I fear the them mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that Human Clay album. I can't. I'm not gonna lie. They were like, you listen to those guitar parts, and what I like the most about them is that you can tell it has like the sort of like you can tell because some of those guys played in hardcore bands, and so in like the yeah, sort of yeah. like melodic tendencies in the '90s. Uh, in Florida hardcore, doing those just sort of like octave kind of guitar parts, some of that stuff is a little breakdowny, and I'm like, oh, some of this shit kind of rips actually. When it I, it's kind of cool, I, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't name a Creed album. <laughs> That's the only one I know. My dad loves it. It's my own prison, and then Human Clay, and then what would uh, Human Clay be? Would that be like poop? <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like the shit that God made humans out of, you know what I'm saying? And then breathe life into it. Because they were like oh. into Jesus for a hot second. Yeah. What? Kyle, help me out here, buddy. What what did God make humans out of? I feel like you You're you're the you're the our religious correspondent. Yeah. Um well What are we made out of? The so the metaphor the metaphor is uh from the uh, Hebrew scripture in that in that case, but the way that my evangelical church used it uh, growing up was pretty much exactly as Bryn described it, and yeah. uh, so the dust and the clay. Yeah, it's just a, a, a moldable, full sense of self, which is also not really good. I'm I'm like an academic, and I have like my all my trainings <laughs> in classics, and I write about early Christianity. And have a weird mm. video game podcast. Um, yeah. And so that's where all this bol- <laughs> stupid bullshit comes from. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a simple answer out of you, Kyle. What are we made of? I gotta know. It's starting to wig me out a bit. Oh, well, I, it's a, that's not, there's no simple answer Kyle, to that question, Kyle. Fuck. The, oh, I hate when you breath, say that. The breath of God and dust. That's it. Okay, that works. Thank you. Yeah. Red. Thank you. Okay. Welcome. All right. Okay. I'm feeling. I'm feeling relaxed. I can live with that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So, you are, uh, Bryn. You are my, as, as I understand it, the premier speedrunner on this podcast. No. Um, oh, on this podcast. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless, unless Kyle, uh, do you have speedrunning? I don't know about. No. Absolutely right, not. Premier speedrunner on this podcast. <laughs> um, Platforming's cool, and I watch the shit out of it. Like platforming games? 
Yeah, we we're talking about Celeste. Yeah, yeah. And also, so I, that's the, you know, I don't want to get into it. I like the idea that those games, you know, sort of urge that, like, how fast can you play this fucking thing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, out of you. No, they feel like they're for speed running, don't they? Yeah, I would say so. Sorry, I interrupted. <clears throat> no, no, it's, hey, you know what, buddy? You got something to say about platformers? You say it. I've always said that. Thanks, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Brent, how did you get into speedrunning? How did how did this start? How who who uh, did this to you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as I can recall, uh, the internet. Um, ah, that it, old it was more. It's funny because I I I don't really consider my like I you know I don't hold any mantle really. I I don't like cons. I don't make a career out of it or anything. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was um, uh, when I got a Wii, like a Nintendo Wii, they put um, on the virtual console, they put like uh, the original Super Mario Brothers. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll play the original Super Mario Brothers. Hell yeah. Um, and this was, I was in college and it was honestly kind of the reason I got into speedrunning is because you could quit easily like at the time if you recall like a lot of games had been going the way of like spend 80 hours in getting into a story and like you know like what the best game i had played all my whole time in college was bioshock but it was like i watched my boyfriend play it like i didn't really play that game <laughs> um mm. and i was just very busy um and when I was playing Super Mario, just like going through it, and I was like, oh, this game is kind of easy now if you just like try because I'm an adult now. Because I, I, I had an NES when I was a kid and I could never even like kind of beat Super Mario, especially not two or three. Um, but as an adult, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And I and I sort of like looked up. I was like, oh, yeah, there's warp stuff. And then I was just like looking up like all the secrets and I kind of came across, I think it was just Twin twin Perfect or what, Twin Galaxies. Um, twin Galaxies yeah. uh, was the, was the speedrunning uh, website at the time. And I was like, how fast can you beat it? And I, and I watched like a YouTube video of that. And I was like, I think I could do that. And I just like tried it and I got it to the point where I could, I, I got it like pretty low, like pretty close to five minutes, um, which at the time was pretty fast. Um, and then really quickly, um, people started getting it. I mean, like, I think the, the Super Mario's speed running time has been whittled down to like sub 55, I think, within like the past year. Like people inside are just like, shaving seconds off even Damn. now even today um but you know 10 years ago i was pretty proud of getting a sub five minute once but i wasn't mm -hmm. i wasn't using like glitches or anything like i was just like running and playing as perfectly as i could and the reason i was doing that is just because it was like kind of fun mm -hmm. uh because it was just like oh, i'll do a couple runs in in super mario and then i have to do my schoolwork or whatever yeah um and so that was sort of how I got into it. Um, and then when I got into Super Metroid, um, 
when I was in my twenties, um, I just liked the game so much that I sort of, I kept wanting to play it. And it was one of those things where it was like, there wasn't anything left to do because I'd done all the secrets. And so it was just like, oh, well, I guess if I can't like 100% the game, maybe I'll see if I can beat it really fast. And then it was like all these little challenges of just like, I feel like when a game is fun to exist in, that's when like the speedrunning community gets really into it like a game that's just fun to be you know controlling the character whether it's mario kart or samus or whatever and mm -hmm. so you know super metroid speed running was just like practice this one part over and over again um and you could just do that for an hour and then be like i'm done because i did it you know and that there's like these little um little achievements that uh that you can be like, yay, I win, and then like quit if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in that sense, Celeste is probably a pretty good game to speedrun because of how uh, you know when you die, it just pops you back at like the start of that screen. You don't get fucked around like you do kind of with with a lot of other platformers. So you right, can, um, you can really sort of just do the same thing again and again and again really quickly yeah absolutely it's it's uh i think many people have mentioned that celeste is sort of a game that feels like and i think the creators have sort of admitted as such is that it's sort of a game with speed running in mind while they were designing it right um just because they know how people are gonna treat their system that they made up <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah the main thing that always stood out to me about celeste was just like the score um oh yeah like I, i'm just sort of realizing now like uh or, or well i i thought about it when you mentioned uh the other day that you um had had, had sped runned it um i was like <laughs> oh yeah that's a perfect fucking game to speed run of course um i just i just love the fucking soundtrack in it kyle, kyle what's your what's your experience with celeste uh so i've played through it um and i've i th i think i can very easily sort of sum up my feelings about the game just overall from what you brought up okay mm. which is the, it's music and it's again so this is a it's a very personal game uh mm. and but that has the but that also has these just like it's just it's just very beautifully designed in all sense of its sort of what what it's trying to do this it, in in terms of its it, it's a comfortable game to play because it has this match from sort of its story to its characters to its art style to its mechanics that feel this this sort of very realized form that i think is really special and that allows you to sort of like continue and persevere through the game itself and then how that's sort of the story of the game and then if you're speed running the fucking thing well there's this sort of like meta like how do i persevere in the game and it just it makes me think of the best platformers that always make you want to play them faster it makes me think of the donkey kong series and like the dave with the dave wise scores and like oh, the so good just like very yeah, just mm. just just kind of perfect environments to build in, and perfect games to play that feel comfortable, just kind of like 
going to town on him as as much as you can, trying to get it as fast as possible. I just think it's really, you know, I really like Celeste. Is my I can never say anything short. <laughs> <laughs> Celeste looked to me like a game that I would because Super Meat Super Meat Boy was the first sort of game that I was like excited to try. Um, I was because I guess I just grew up on platformers. You know, I grew up yeah. on fun snappy fighting whether it be i don't know strider sonic the hedgehog you know that was just the kind of that to me that was video games because i'm old you know (laughs) um and uh when in the i guess early or late 2000s when like difficult challenging platformers started becoming a, a sort of throwback trend um Super Meat Boy was one of the first one I remember like people being excited about and telling me I should play. And honestly, I just kind of always felt that it felt sloppy. Like I never liked the controls in that game and it wasn't fun to be in. It felt like challenging because of it not being fair. Like I never felt like I was dying because I fucked up. It felt like I was dying because the controls sucked. Mm. Um, And that's, I don't think I'm, in the uh i don't think that's a popular opinion but for whatever reason that game never really grabbed me um but celeste was something that really felt like oh this is a game that i'm gonna enjoy um just because it looked so snappy um and i remember being excited when i saw the trailer and then when i played it it was even more so like that than i thought it was going to be it's like so tight and so fair and so difficult um Mm. That it was, it felt like it was kind of made for me. Um, I think a lot of people felt like that about it. Um, yeah, I did for sure. It, um, it, it, it does this thing. I, I, I swear I, I, I knew the name for this, uh, not a week ago, but there's a cool thing it does. And a few other games do it like dead cells does it where like, and when you're walking off a ledge, it gives you like a, a, a couple coyote extra time, f- coyote time. That's it. Yeah. It gives you like yeah. a few extra frames or whatever of, of, of fucking of mercy, basically, um, <laughs> because that anyone who's ever played a platformer will know that half the time you die, probably it's because you fucking you jump just a bit too late. You're just on the edge and you jump and it doesn't like go mm-hmm. through. Um so that extra, yeah, the coyote time, just giving you that extra little bit. Holy shit, it feels so much better. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that should be like standard practice in, in platforms. I really think that Celeste kind of changed the game for a lot of indie, or not only indie developers, but like I feel like a lot of stuff that came after it and mm. took a lot of its movement from it. I mean, like not very many games have... Uh, have dashing like like celeste does but in terms of just like the the weight of of the character um and how she's not like floaty but you also have a lot of time to to move your jump um you're not like committed um just the the mechanics feel so specific and so intentional um it's great it does remind in 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 that way. Coyote time is really, I think, useful. But as well as the the contrast with Super Meat Boy, I think is really good because Super Meat Boy sort of like feels antagonistic in its internal physics, which just like it's 
it's not trying to ground itself in any sort of sense of how it should feel to traverse through its environment. Instead, it's just like kind of like, here's what the physics are. Like, here's what's going to happen when you make the character mm. move in one direction. You, you can't br- you can bring so much less of your understanding of how to like at the very least move through these sorts of games when I think what's really beautiful about how they're able to sort of push the limits of how we understand good platforming, good physics is through the dash move and how it's like it, the, the way to put it brings me back to Don, fucking Donkey Kong country. The, the, mm-hmm. uh, all roads coyote, lead there. The coyote time <laughs> in Donkey Kong country is super useful because of the roll mechanic and the way that you, yeah. the, the, what the people do, the fucking roll jump. That's the, it's like BA or whatever. And that's the joke is that you just, that you only need two buttons to play that game in speedrun Donkey Kong Country is just to do that move. And this sort of feels like an almost like, like they're institutionalizing the sort of implied thing. And it's just like, okay, let's, how can basically giving you one extra sort of point of trajectory, uh, sort of really changes your relationship with the game. And it could be so like me, Super Meat Boy has a wall jump. But because you can't feel present in the in that game in a because it's you know its physics just aren't aren't very kind to the player in something like Celeste you're starting from this it has this sort of like point of recognition with the game that lets you do something it lets it feel better you know instead of like feeling alien you feel like the limitations yeah. of what you can expect and what you would do are being sort of like pushed beyond it's very hopeful very interesting that way i feel like the the pod is really coming out against super meat boy today which i <laughs> I, I, I appreciate anti-meat boy action i i've i think i appreciate meat boy for you know uh sticking to its guns in terms of what it wanted to do which is be sure. hard mm-hmm. be yeah. a challenging platformer and sort of it, it was one of, I think, the first games I can remember people being like, the point is that it's hard. Yeah. Um, and that was, and it, it, it felt really interesting at the time. Um, I think it was uh, the same year, like the year after Demon Souls came out, I think. Um, the, year, but right, the year right before Dark Souls. Um so it was kind of in this early, like, maybe games can be fun for people who are adults and we actually want challenges. Mm. Um, so I appreciate it for that. Um, I personally just felt like it it, it wasn't difficult. It was annoying. Um, mm. And I think that that and it's funny because if you watch the uh, the indie game movie, um, yeah. you know, the, the creator spent a lot of time. I think they made that engine i could be completely wrong on this but i think they made the engine like by hand um because he was so specific on how he wanted it to feel um which i guess is like the ice levels in bubsy 3d for some reason but like (laughs) like it it just feels so slippery i don't know why one would want that like if in in celeste if you press if you stop pressing a button you are instantly stopped um but in Meat Boy, you're like fucking sliding all over. So 
I think it was just different approaches. Um, and I personally don't like the approach that Meat Boy ended up with. But uh, I do appreciate it for what it tried to do and sort of kind of uh, I respect it for its foresight in making games that are challenging for the sake it does of it. It has like an exercise kind of quality to it. Like the type of, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very specific type of action that you have to be able to do quickly. If you're going to say speed run a game like that, but it, it falls yeah. along the same lines of like you know, the, that, that like flash game or were they flash games or I like, I want to be the guy and I want to be the oh, boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah like the, those games that are, I would say for all intents and purposes doing the same thing, just in a much like in, in a really hand-drawn uh, <laughs> uh, sort of like MS Paint kind of style, but are still <laughs> doing the same thing, which is like starting from the difficulty. You 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 play the game despite I don't know how what it is I'm trying to say, but it just it reminds I, me of that. I think you know I I think what you're saying is like it reminds me a lot of Bennett Foddy's Getting Over It. Um, which is a game that tries to be like, oh, it's so difficult. And what we're doing is rewarding you for your perseverance. It's trying to sort of like uh, get to the feeling of playing Dark Souls and beating a big boss without actually making a game that feels good to play and is challenging because that's yeah. actually difficult. Yeah. And so what they do is give you a piece of shit game <laughs> that sucks to play that does not feel good and feels like you know a, a a swarm of bees in your hands and you're just being stung and annoyed and then if you do like give it it's like asking you not to play and then being like well why don't you play and you'll feel good when you win and it's i think very that's spiteful sort of, yeah and yeah. cheap and yeah. i think that like it's sort of dress i i've I don't know Bennett Foddy. I have no ill will against the guy, but uh, I don't even know if that's a real person. But that game pisses me off because I think the uh, there's like there's like a voiceover of like this smug guy talking to you He's about so perseverance smug. and trying. And it's like, dude, you have to make a game that makes me want to play it. And if you fail at that, that's your failure. It's not my failure for not being good at a shitty game. Um, because I'm good at good games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I can beat Dark Souls. I can beat Celeste in a very in a, in record times. Uh, so I just like I'm not interested in playing a game that sucks just because it's hard. One thing I will say in defense of getting over it is it felt so good to finally see someone who looked like me in a video game, you know? <laughs> you, you look like a, a Mr. Clean, a ripped guy in a pot. Yeah, I live in a cauldron, and I'm just using my <laughs> upper body strength to navigate a, a confusing and horrible world. Yeah, that's that's why, you know, Kay really values the podcast, because that's how they get here um, to recording. every Just cl climbing a mountain with a pickaxe. Is representation yeah. that's why getting over it is that's right yeah i loved the bennett foddy's getting over it um uh reference in the new elden ring trailer with pop boy oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're like it's gonna be so hard <laughs>
No, if you kill them and like they should drop a pot that you can wear as a helmet and it'll like make the game harder or something. That would be Yeah. Good. <laughs> you just can't that. see anything. <laughs> <laughs> the whole game just goes black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love those little pot guys though. They're fucking cuties. I can't wait to hang I know. out with them. I hope you can summon them. Oh my god. If they have any sort of a, a faction associated with them, I'm in. Yeah, I'm yeah. committed. <laughs> I am joining that <laughs> guild. <laughs> pledging um, to uphold their thought that's right <laughs> uh, uphold little jar dude thought <laughs> <laughs> all the all the critters in elden ring look so good yeah so cute absolutely i can't wait um also j just to to go back to celeste um yeah one thing just one like little specific thing um and I, I played it once a little while ago, so I'm going by memory here. But I remember there's a scene where, um, oh fuck, what's her name? Madeline. Madeline, Madeline, and then and then her her sort of mental illness manifests in Badeline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so <laughs> Madeline's having like a fucking panic attack, and and the the score is being overcome by these like really distinct sounding synths. And um, you go into just this horrible place later in the game. Um, you go into the mirror. What's world, basically yeah. the 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 bad brain zone? So I think of it. Yeah, the mirror <laughs> yeah. world. And uh, and the, the score in there. It's the exact same synths. That's so cool. It's just that's what the bad brain sounds like. Just little <laughs> shit like that. It's such a charming fucking game. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, more people should make games that are good that's my hot take mm. <laughs> yeah for those who haven't played the game i mean what what we found when you you know i was very excited but was really surprising about the game is not only is it one of the tightest most well-designed like mechanical games uh i think that uh, the creator um took a bit of a page from this sort of i i, I mean i don't want to give Miyazaki so much credit as for being the first person to do this but I do feel like the Soulsborne games have um, really popularized the idea that you should start with the mechanics and then make the story out of that yeah um, don't start with the story and then be like and then it's a shooting game or whatever right. um, but make the kind of game you want to make and then be like what does this say what is this story what what if, what is the situation you're in and Celeste was very surprising to me, uh, something that felt that it was made that way, mm. um, where it was a difficult game about climbing a mountain as a metaphor for dealing with personal anxiety and depression and like personal mental distress. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th the mechanic of like, uh, a bad version of yourself that follows you um, feels like it was made before the story, but, and, and I think only because it fits so well, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, every, it seems like they wanted to make a game that was about feeling good about completing something and sort of doubling down on the anxiety and frustration it takes to do it. Uh, until you win until you get there um and then there's a couple little scenes where they just put in in cut scenes where you have to like 
hold a button to like breathe out and like make a feather stay in the middle of the screen that is not difficult but like really allows you to sort of do a kind of zen practice that this character might be doing to like get over how difficult that last part of the game was yeah um so really really clever uh storytelling with within the mechanics of the game um and i really appreciated it for that too i remember when the uh, ps4 spider-man game came out and all the games journalists were like well you really feel like spider-man in in this it's you really feel like you have an anxiety disorder it's it's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic what, what everybody wants to feel <laughs> i mean you know our, our world is uninhabitable uh you know socially for humans so probably about you know half of us do uh have anxiety disorders so i, I think uh mm-hmm. yeah uh listeners if you haven't played it i think that you'll find it uh, probably very relatable and like just touching and and nice. It's a it's a nice fucking game. It's very game, empath. It's very nice. empathetic. Games can yeah. be nice. I've been playing. Uh, I've been finishing up a, a Spiritfarer recently, which oh, yeah. I find to be another example. So I think Celeste fits within this category super well of games that are not doing that obsessive cultural infantilization that seems to happen when we're just kind of like inundated with all of this, you know, schlocky crap that really is not, is not very realized beyond the sort of like trying just like five things is trying to say. And as, as Bryn said earlier, it's all, and also it's a first person shooter with sneaking mechanics and it's like you know, Spirit just like is? no, 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 no. The, this a game that oh. the the bad the bad video games <laughs> the are the bad game, yeah, uh, yeah. Spirit Fair yeah, by the bad game, we know it. By the contrast, it is this very sort of like it's less it's much less challenging than a game like Celeste, but it is in its in the sort of like performing of the things that you do, which is you're ferrying uh, various people from your life and from like onto the afterlife by, you know, also doing like also building a big houseboat and like it has platforming mechanics as well and sort of role playing elements. And it has this like mm. it, it, it's, a, it's a game about dealing with death, but that is not in any ways try it's very gentle but also very true game in the sense of what it takes to move through and overcome the stuff that it's talking about and celeste is this sort of different flavor uh this more that emphasizes these you know it's strong emphasis on platforming and the sort of like single screen like try hot try die try again sort of Mm-hmm. you know essence that it has but is it is this sort of like gentle but you know resolved in type of a game that's really it's aware of what it's trying to do and it's not treating me like i'm a little baby it's <laughs> you know it, it's 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 not afraid of you know tough questions and it, and it 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 but and it also you know it's just well made. Also, stu- Studio Ghibli really inspired that last one, which I think the art is another. Mm-hmm. It, it also has good music, which I think in these sort of like aesthetic realizations of this stuff too is a whole another fucking thing that I could probably talk about forever. So I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that you brought up sort of like cultural infantilization because it's I think games like Spirit Fair and Celeste show that 
you can make something like gentle and empathetic that doesn't treat you like an adult baby and yes. that that's <laughs> that's a that's a thing that we're able to create <laughs> <laughs> it's harder than you'd think i, I you know yeah. I, it's 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 really interesting i was listening to oh my god i'm i'm uh <laughs> I, i'm sorry for admitting this but i've been listening to a lot of uh like dark souls podcasts um and someone awesome. was mentioning <laughs> that uh someone was mentioning that it's really cool actually to be able to like be playing these games as they're coming out um and yeah. sort of made me realize that I hadn't really thought of it, but like, I really do think like this past decade has been sort of like the 1970s of movies for video games. Um, like a lot of people f really experimenting and figuring new stuff out um, and really taking it to like small teams of independent creators can be making art that, is really successful and you know gets to a lot of people but you know doesn't have to be doesn't have to have a lot of like corporate fingerprints on it just for you to play it right. um yeah. and so you get things like celeste or hollow knight or you know spirit fairer totally um, no th this past decade has been massive just in terms of like the the, the quality and like artistic ambitiousness of, of indie studios Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's it what we've gotten is, I think, a huge leap in the idea of these things that only hu like enormous nerds were talking about just 10 years ago, like ludonarrative dissonance and, yeah. you know, a kinesthetic like, you know, all of these like sort of big words that, uh, you know, YouTubers like Aaron Signal talk about um, <laughs> are sort of who I love um, are sort of coming to the forefront of basically every designer and being like, well, if I want to make something real and serious that I care about, I have all of these new tools that I never, that I wouldn't have thought about. Um, and so people are learning from each other. Um, and you can make a game about anxiety and, you know, I'm, I, I don't know entirely a lot about their identity, but that they seem to have the creator of Celeste seems to have come out as, uh, maybe non-binary or something. And, you know, the Celeste video game um, fans have been very adamant about the sort of queerness involved in those games. And there's mm. a lot of that subtext in the game. Um, and none of it is cheesy or hitting you over the head. I feel like there was a period of video games where if you wanted to talk about something like mental health or gender identity, it would only be a, um, uh, like a visual novel or like walking a twine simula game, simulator, yeah. a walk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I love, I, I think Dear Esther yeah. is great. And I think, <laughs> you know, uh, I love point and click adventures uh, in general, but uh, to make a game that sort of mechanically tells a story about those kinds of things, that's a really crazy leap from where we were just yes. 10 years ago. Um, and I think all of those people sort of uh, contributed to that. So, yeah, that's why I really wanted to play it so much. <laughs> and that's why I fucking played played it to the point where I could beat the all hearts uh, category in like under two hours. <laughs> Damn. That's fucking fast. <laughs> 
it's really fast. It's really hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's a fun thing to do. Be like, oh, I'm sitting down for the night and I, uh, you know, don't want to stay up too late. I'll just do a Celeste run. And then if you fail, you fail and you go to bed. If you get really close, you know, also great. So Hell yeah. I really appreciate the sort of optimism that you're bringing about at least certain aspects of the industry because... It can, it can be really easy to spend too much time looking at, like, the AAA side of the industry, which is such a obscene cesspool for the most part. Like, there's a couple <laughs> good studios. Like, FromSoft seems fine. but Is that AAA or is that... I don't know. I, I don't know what that AAA means, really. At this point? Um, I don't know. They're pretty fucking big. They're, I feel like if you're making games that big, you're published by Bandai Namco. They must be AAA. I don't know. I yeah, think I guess so. But like, but they they are they feel so... to me like an indie that kind of beca- they're like the new line cinema in the 1980s of video <laughs> yeah. games. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely, it feels like that when you you know you compare it to like fucking EA or, or Ubisoft or or any of those just monstrosities that it's just you know if if yeah. if you were taking that to be the the main. Uh, part of the the medium of video games you'd, you'd probably have a very dire view of of where things are headed but i think that when you look at yeah even a, a relatively big company like from soft or like a lot of these indie studios uh i'm just i've been really excited about video games just for the last few years like i think it was maybe like 2016 2017 i just started feeling like we we were entering this period of of the medium just getting really fucking good in in a in a way yeah. that it hasn't before and the past few years i feel i've been vindicated in that belief like i'm just it's it's fucking awesome some of the stuff that's been made absolutely i mean there like i have a movie show and we are never excited about movies like <laughs> you know like it's been a long like there's like two directors that i like keep my eye on i'm like maybe they'll make something that excites me but like you know m- the movies are still so expensive. Uh, but even though like everybody's making TikToks and YouTubes, it's like, nobody's really making fiction film, you know, even short films. Like it's just not a thing that anyone cares about at the, at this point. And where it, where the real storytelling and like artistic experiences, whether surreal or emotional or whatever, uh, you know, it's often coming from, from video games at this point. I mean, like, Dark Souls is a fucking like artistic masterpiece. Like it's yeah. nuts. Like that game feels like a JG Ballard novel. Like I haven't felt that way experiencing any sort of media since I was a kid. Like since I was in college and like reading Pynchon for the first time. Um like I really do think that they made something like all-time classic. Um, Absolutely. Well, that's what's uh, I think you mentioned two perfect names uh, in terms of Pynchon and Ballard in the the fact that we forget to sort of historicize rather we, we think about style and we think about sort of medium and we think about all this really important stuff that I think you're all completely right. The past 10 years for video games have been incredible in terms of the production of really interesting culture and pushing sort of the boundaries. And that there's also sort of like 
the postmodern moment of Ballard that sort of led into Pinchon's writing existed Mm -hmm. in this sort of larger conversation about who can make stuff how like the not just the form of it like how how, like what a movie can be and what a novel can be and what a game can be but like who's telling those stories in what context what what sort of and how how like interesting art is pushing the boundaries of like what we are sort of horizon of expectation and culture and i think it's i think i think a game like celeste i think the dark soul series as well um sort of like is creating these new sort of accepted forms of culture that i'm really excited to see um yeah and yeah i think it i think it relates directly to that kind of a literary moment absolutely yeah absolutely i i think you know like 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 you said with Ballard and Pynchon and that sort of movement in the in the 60s and then like I was saying like everything from David Lynch to like Cassavetes and like the 70s and 80s in film like just people realizing oh we can just like fucking throw together our own shit and make some of the weirdest shit you've ever seen Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, and I feel like right now that sort of energy the the sort of whether it be political or emotional or whatever is sort of kind of focused on video games right now. And if you're not playing games like Celeste, uh, I think you're missing out. Absolutely. I I think another game that really sort of embodies that is Disco Elysium, which... Oh, for uh, sure. Which won that big award, I've got a video about... The video, if you're listening to this, it's out now. Go watch it. Plugged. (laughs) Plugged. Kay and Skittles, YouTube. I am in it. <laughs> That's right. Kyle is in it. It's good. Yay, Kyle. Um, Composed by British Sea Power. Fuck yeah. I, yeah, I'm into, I'm into that now. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, I, I don't want to keep you too long. Is, is there any last things uh, anyone has to say about Celeste or just like, you know, the trajectory of, 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 of indie video games? I don't know. I just wanted to, I would say that I'm very excited. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like we live in a world now that people feel like if you're not somehow like starting the revolution or something that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's not really worth thinking about. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, we're we're talking about video games we're talking about art you know what whatever the importance of that uh i don't really know or care right now um but i will say that if you're talking about like making and experiencing good art if that's something you care about like i really think that if you i'm sure if you're listening to this show you probably care a little about video games but (laughs) i think that there are a lot of exciting things happening and uh and I think Celeste is one of them. So if you haven't played it because you're afraid it's too hard, I would say that the game, one thing I do love about the game is that it's fair and that if you, it to finish it, you don't actually have to be that good at it. Like you have to engage with its systems like any good game should ask of you um, and really sort of learn the basic mechanics. Um, you don't have to do the B-sides and the C-sides just to beat the game. Those are there for people who are freaks like me who want to just live in that world and control the character. And I really appreciate that it kind of understands how hard it is um, and lets 
basically anybody puts their mind to it, I think uh, beat it if they want. Plus there's all that there are like people who feel really um, like they want to have accessibility options so that you can make the game really easy if you want. Um, And so there's really no excuse to not just experience the story if you haven't yet. So I would say highly recommend you download it, wait for it to be on sale if you need to, uh, which it often is and uh, play through it. It's not that long. And uh, just to add on to um, about how some people are like only, (laughs) you know, if you're spending time on like anything except for like active revolutionary action, (laughs) you're somehow, you know, uh, bad. Um, You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're going to have a much harder time being a revolutionary of any kind at any point if you're a little weirdo who has no other interests or skills and can't like <laughs> talk to people. I, I cannot, point. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've, I've been speaking with someone and they've been telling me a story about how they couldn't successfully interact with normies basically, because all they know anymore is politics and they didn't know how to like not get into a big political discussion at a time where that would have been inappropriate. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Get a hobby. Yeah. Play a video game. Everyone plays yeah. video. Play a video game. Play Celeste. Absolutely. I mean, completely <laughs> seriously, like it's just something that I I really worries me about, like the atomization and the alienation of society. Of just like ha- having cultural references is how you convince people. How do you talk to people? Like if you haven't seen like Hobbs and Shaw or whatever, you're not going to be able to be like, yeah, we've seen certain movies. We have certain things in common. People do care about, you know, their cultural touchstones or whatever. Like I I highly recommend living your fucking life and experiencing art. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because talking the to way people th- about them. The significance that it brings to politics can be summed up in really the idea that our form our formative our actual formative political experiences are the clarity that's the clarity by which one thing me just being myself can't stand on my own and in our meaningful experiences when engaging with culture that is honest when something like celeste that's trying to tell an honest story and something that you know you know is 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 resolute in what it's trying to say and not trying to sort of, as we talked about, coddle or infantilize the person who's engaging with it, is that this mm-hmm. exists on a, a much larger perspective of the way that we, in the affirmation of ourselves, capture a fundamental absence in in that affirmation. Meaning that I, I, I know what I if what you want is politics and solidarity amongst people well that your experiences are an affirmation of that and what's important about how we are able to use culture to communicate i think celeste does this really i wrote a bunch about it in preparation uh thinking thinking about how like what it like the our formative subjective experiences who we are as people is how the potential for the hope for some kind of revolutionary moment happens. It doesn't just exist out of thin air, but it's the result of the exercising of historical agency that exists in these sub- formative subjective experiences. When we stand in solidarity with workers on the picket, when I do labor organizing, it's in an extension of 
the very humbling experience that I I can recognize within myself my own absences when I stand alone for things. And if we can communicate this amongst one another, then that in order to achieve this kind of a thing, you know, we have to figure out how to speak with, talk with, and be with other people. And sometimes when it's easier to just try and retreat within ourselves to try and find the solution to the thing that we need. But we have something like Celeste that shows us that this is a process that's done by working through and not sort of. And, and relying yeah. on other people. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, and I think there's a, there's a big sort of push and I think a sort of general consensus that I really don't like that. Um, politics is downstream from or like upstream from culture or something like like culture doesn't really affect politics no or that your politics is like culture is only affected by the current politics and i don't always buy that um i think that like that you can see people who have changed their minds and had pathways made in their brains by media that they've read or been exposed to. And I do think that propaganda can be useful and it doesn't always have to be posters on the walls of, you know, the czar's castle in 1916. You know what I mean? Like books and pamphlets are also important just as much as movies and, and video games are important. And I think that if you can, show people concepts it might not immediately make them become a revolutionary or something but like helping people understand the problems in their life and in their society and in their culture can be extremely helpful um definitely so i don't i don't always agree with that it's just it's just pablum or it's just sugar it's just cake you know yeah I'm a firm believer that art doesn't change the world, but it does change people who can then go on to change the world. So what I'm trying to sure. say is project Celeste speed runs onto the <laughs> side of the Winter Palace. <laughs> play video, play video games, and, and then just play video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun time. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just. just don't worry, so Jesus don't worry so much. Jesus Christ. Don't worry so much. Don't worry. Learn to stop worrying and love the games. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. <laughs> We've, we, uh, we should probably wrap it up. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on to join us, Bryn. It was a, it was a really so good chat. Thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah. Uh, where can people find you and all your wonderful stuff? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Kinomatography. Um, which is hard to spell, but uh, yeah, you'll get it. You can also follow my show, my BP Bledis show, my show about politics at Weed Pod. Uh, all of my stuff is on my my Twitter. Um, it's a uh, another podcast about movies called Gen Loss. Uh, I play video games on the Left Trigger Twitch, and I have a band called Stay Inside, which had put a record out last year that you should listen to. So that's all. I love that your Twitter isn't your name and also the beep beep lettuce twitter is not the name of the podcast no. i respect it <laughs> well it used to be but it got oh, banned okay. so <laughs> it got banned. yeah got banned for speaking yeah. too much truth to power i get it that's correct mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where can they find you kyle uh i'm at labor kyle on stuff including twitter 
uh, and YouTube where I'll have a video about God of War and uh, some of the stuff that I was just rambling on about a little bit. Uh, some of the research that I've been doing and the writing that I've been doing. If any book publishers are listening... Uh, they DM, all are. You can, you can DM me. <laughs> yeah, clear, clearly. Uh, uh, no, I, you can... Yeah, check out that video there. Uh, and that's... That's it. All right. I these, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> fine. I can't plug. I can't even plug. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at K and Skittles and on YouTube at K and Skittles. And uh, once this is out, I'll have a hot new video fresh off the presses for you to watch uh, about Disco Elysium, which, uh, like I said before, is a game that I think sort of follows on from a lot of the ideas we discussed here today. So go go peep that. Um, and, uh, remember, play video games. Just play, Always. Just play video, just play games. video games. Just, just go for it. All gamers are bastards. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.